the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, listening to Counterculture. Yes, I'm your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Um, today, I'm very excited about this guest. Uh, you know, I, I we've we've had just a wonderful conversation this week. Uh, I guess it was last week on the phone. Got to know uh, Dr. Byron Spradlin. Thank, welcome, doctor. You're welcome uh, to be here. I'm so thrilled. So you're actually a reverend doctor, I should say. Uh, that's what uh, some have said, but uh, <laughs> it's just Byron, so okay. carry on. <laughs> okay, I'll, I, I'll just call you Byron. <laughs> well, well, Byron is the founder and president of Artists and Christian Testimony, a missions and ministry uh, and ministry sending board for artists and creatives with over 650 um, staff and in more than 50 nations. Among many roles, he was, uh, he's just done all these – he's on serving on different boards, but he's also the professor of worship, imagination, and the arts at Williamson College. Is that in Tennessee? Yeah, it's right in Franklin, Tennessee. Franklin, Tennessee. Okay. And so uh, he's an artist and missions ministry specialist who served uh, as a Bible teacher, church planter, worship pastor – Senior pastor, evangelist, professor, recording artist, and a songwriter and arts missiologist in over 50 countries. And so, holy smokes, I mean, it's if you ever want to know what you want to be when you grow up, just look at Byron. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, incredible stuff. But he's also married to Pam since 1974. Uh, and two grown children and four grandchildren. You know, I'm I'm super excited about having a conversation with you, and you fit exactly what I want this sh- what I want the show to be about. Um, you know, so counterculture is really about finding those who are who are building up of culture and who are building up our world and more compassionate and more peaceful. And your your ministry is dedicated to that. So. So before we kind of get into like really about you know artists and Christian testimony, um, we play this game called fake news, where you say something <laughs> true and something that's not true, and I try to guess in my infinite wisdom and power, you know, incredible <laughs> ability to discern human nature, what is true, and uh, and see. And by the way, I, I'm joking. I'm not that great. <laughs> so, <laughs> so give give us two things, and let me see if I can guess what's fake. All right, here it goes. I've climbed Mount Fuji in Japan twice and even got lost on the way down once for about six hours. But uh, at a police station, they gave me and my uh, climbing buddy uh, Japanese refreshments while uh, the group I was with, they were trying to contact them and, and to come and rescue us. So the ordeal was 
more of a celebration of cross-cultural delight yeah. <laughs> than it was a trauma. Okay. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the other uh, situation was I was in uh, Mali, West Africa, five hours east of Bamako, okay. the capital of that a beautiful West African country, staying with missionaries, no electricity, no running water, but with uh, very great people. And after a great evening of uh, worship uh, by a kerosene uh, lantern, uh-huh. walking back across the lawn on the way to my room, there was a sort of an outbuilding, uh, which was guest house, in the midst of hundreds of little frogs. I had to fight off a cobra that was out stalking those little green delicacies. Wow! You had to fight off a cobra in in a village out <laughs> in Mali because they were eating your frogs that you were going to eat. Is that right? Well, we weren't going to eat those frogs, but at night I was shocked that all these little frogs kind of came out. They were, you know, and, wow. Uh, actually, the the lady. Uh, the, they lived there. They said, "Yeah, don't worry. These frogs are all over the place, but they but they do bring out the cobras." <laughs> <laughs> I hate when, was, when I do something and it brings out the cobras. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. no, but those don't are. Worry. It, it, it was dark, you know, so you didn't wow. have to worry about seeing anything. So, <laughs> no, so so Byron, I you're skilled at this because you have such detail that they clear you have some personal involvement with both of these stories but you also hear you probably hear amazing stories like every day so so i think these stories happen but only one of them was relevant to you i'm going to say that the it was the 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 molly story is true and the fuji one is fake <laughs> Am I right? Well, you're wrong. I'm wrong. Oh, no. You're wrong. Oh, good. <laughs> but, but look, I mean, that really did happen. I was an exchange student in Japan uh, a couple of times, actually. And uh, that particular, particular year, I was with the American Field Service in the early days. Okay. And we had climbed to the top of Mount Fuji. And there are all these little trails going down. And I and Phil Welch, my, my friend, uh, uh, among the... Uh, 49 American Field Service, uh, we took the wrong trail. Yeah. And, you know, it's wow. narrow at the to- uh, top. It's, it's wide at the bottom. And we were like six hours away from our other oh. uh, crew. <laughs> that was crazy. I, uh, but about Molly, I really was in Molly. And I really was at that uh, uh, that uh, missionary's home out in the middle of nowhere, okay. south of the Niger River. And uh, they really, there were these frogs all over the place. But, and they really did say, you've got to be careful, keep your eye open for cobras. But, but you didn't fight uh, them and, off. And I, uh, I did not have to fight them oh, off. I'll tell you okay. what, though, you know, the bathroom <laughs> okay. was outside that, that room. So in the middle of that, I had to get up and uh, use the bathroom. And I was, I was looking all over. It did freak me out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> well, I love, I love hearing these stories. That's oh, wonderful. I, so why, so transition here, why does artists and Christian testimony exist? Like why, uh, you know, you, 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 you kind of downplay it when I first introduced it. Oh, here we are another traditional missions and ministry sending board, but you're, uh, uh, you're not traditional. You're actually very innovative. Um, so why, why does this, this organization exist? Well, you know, I mean, we've seen over, over the years, 
uh, I, I'm an ordained Baptist minister, but I yeah. work mostly in a, an interdenominational Protestant setting for the most part. So we've had some wonderful interactions in a number of the other streams of Christianity as well. Uh, I've been uh, bumping around some yeah. 50 uh, countries. But we do know that uh, artistic ministry initiators are still not well understood by the Church. Now, I've been doing this for a long time, and we've seen a lot of change and a lot of embrace uh, in actually every stream uh, of the Church. Um, uh, But particularly in the conservative community, there's still this this sense that these folks are not exactly legitimate. You know, they don't look like preachers, they don't look conventional. Right. Um, And uh, as a result, um, though they are strategic, both uh, uh, from a biblical point of view, uh, in terms of being specialists in imaginal intelligence, uh, along with rational intelligence mm. and emotional intelligence, it, it, the Church still wrestles with that. And therefore, uh, there are few um, um, ecclesial or ministerial uh, organizations that actually take these people seriously. It seems that the church can prioritize, like, hey, we need a church planter. Um, and is it because that they're thinking they're thinking practically, or is there maybe a theology that somehow places arts as below maybe ecclesi- the traditional ecclesial things? Well, I think it's I, I think it's both to tell you the truth. I mean, it has to do with a um, that particularly the Reformation Church was really concerned about getting the Word of God into the vernacular of the people mm-hmm. so that the people could understand the Word. So it's clear that we, you know, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Um, but the, the, the focus has, has stayed uh, deeply uh, committed to actually understanding the the intellectual propositions of truth, which are absolutely central and important, right. but have not taken further steps in understanding how people understand and even assign meaning. Now, you know, I, I hold the conviction that the Bible is the revelation of God, and we need to surrender ourselves to, uh, to um, God's revelation and not necessarily always pass judgment on right. it. Well, not pass judgment at all. Um, but even C.S. Lewis said that we cannot understand simply by just uh, considering an academic um, um, uh, propositional statement. We actually need the imaginal intelligence God has given us Mm. to assign meaning to something. Mm. Now, we need to assign it the meaning that God intends it to be, but in in other words, I mean, C.S. Lewis said that imagination is the organ of meaning. And so we have to move beyond simply um, rational intelligence <clears throat> to this dynamic of hopefully our I- imaginality, our imaginal intelligence is formed by the Word of mm-hmm. God and by the working of the Spirit of God in us so that we actually understand that when we take communion, it's more than just putting a piece of bread in our mouth right. and uh, drinking a, a cup. We have to imagine into the reality of the atoning work of Christ, uh, the fact that his death and his burial and his resurrection and his ascension literally paid the penalty for our sin. We have to imagine into that reality. We don't make up stuff that's not mm. real, 
but we have to imagine into that reality because it's so big, it's beyond what actually uh, our little puny hard drives can embrace. Uh, but it is <laughs> clearly true, you know, and, and we're not just dealing with a philosophy here. We're dealing with the dynamic of having an interactive, visceral relationship with the true and living God, which he himself has initiated and provide us, provided us the means to have. Well, I mean, that involves our imaginal intelligence going deeper, you know, mm-hmm. from glory to glory, from faith to faith as we certainly study the Word of God, but as we interact with the Lord Himself. I'm frequently seeing in Scripture the dynamic that Jesus had a companioning worship walk Mm -hmm. with the community of the Trinity. He was intimate with the Father in the sphere of the Spirit, Mm -hmm. the Trinity moving together, the triune nature of God. Now, explain that to me. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Only propositionally, no, right. (laughs) Yeah, we need these these uh, imaginal, these aesthetic, these artistic dynamics to actually completely understand the the realities of our interaction with God. It's interesting that uh, uh, if you study Middle East, I mean, um, um, Middle Aged and earlier Church Fathers, they would never speak about God in prose. They would Mm. always speak about God in poetic forms, because God is bigger than prose. Interesting. Yeah, we can't even talk about no, God without no, without metaphors no and symbols. Yeah. So, I mean, all of liturgy actually uh, are uh, aesthetic, uh, uh, artistic um, environments. They're not just activities, of, uh, and we step into those environments, which are real, and they are not magic, but infused by faith. God Himself moves through His Word and His Spirit to have a, to interact with us. I mean, we, you know, people yeah. have got to wrestle with that. And that uh, is why when we look back in the, the Hebrew Scriptures, we see even when God began to design the sacrificial system through Moses, and mm-hmm. you look at Exodus 25 through 40, you'll see he, <clears throat> he uh, uh, directed Moses to choose these two fellows, Bezalel and Oholiab, Yes, craftsmen skilled in all kinds of imaginal expression. Matter of fact, that's mm. the best word I've found, or the best family of words I've found for artists in the Bible, which is craftsman, which means a person who is unusually wise at imaginative design or expression. Interesting. And we we see actually, you know, take a look at when Nebuchadnezzar took Judah, the kingdom of Judah, into captivity. Who did he take? He took the political leaders, he took the religious leaders, yeah. he took the military leaders, and he took the craftsmen and the mm-hmm. artisans. Why is that? These folks are powerful in shaping the realities that God has given to us and revealed to us uh, in ways that we can touch the transcendent reality of himself and interaction with him and his truth and beauty and goodness, which we then need to be conduits of in the community. That ties right into your... Mm-hmm podcast here, yeah. uh, culture makers, uh, bringing peacemakers and countercultural uh, folks who right. are literally living out the realities of God's ways in life, which always bring human flourishing. 
if you're just tuning in, you're listening to uh, Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. I have Dr. Byron Spradling on the on, on the phone at, from Tennessee with artists, uh, the president of Artists and Christian Testimony. Absolutely fascinating conversation about uh, really thinking deeper about how art and beauty and and the God's role in the in the in in His Spirit in that creative process. That glorifies himself, and as I, and honestly, it's just—it's just really great theology. But we often don't; many traditions don't necessarily either emphasize that or even allow it. Uh, yet, I believe there's just so much in the scriptures that is there, and that we draw from, and even from wonderful traditions. What are you seeing around the world? Where maybe just kind of bring this down to really, really like concrete. What, how is this happening somewhere in the world that you're aware of right now? Sure. Well, one of the goals, uh, well, one of the major goals of uh, the Church's mandate around the world is to see the Kingdom of God expand, uh, the message of God using becoming flesh in Jesus, <clears throat> paying the penalty for human beings' rebellion and self-rule against God, and when we surrender to His, uh, his uh, free gift uh, of His death and resurrection and ascension in, into heaven, uh, we're uh, God allows His Spirit to bring us life, and He indwells us with His Spirit and moves us into this walk with Him where we become uh, His uh, agents for mm-hmm. reconciliation. We are, mm-hmm. you know, uh, ministers of reconciliation yes, yes. and such. Um, and that's, a, that's a, a, a bigger dynamic, and ultimately it needs to play out in um, the development of indigenous Christian community formation. That mm-hmm. is... Christianity in five hours uh, uh, east of Bamako, Mali, south of the Niger River, does not need to look like a Baptist a service on Wednesday night or Sunday morning in um, in um, Phoenix, Bellingham, Arizona. Washington. Right, right, exactly, yeah, wherever. You know, uh, right. And it needs to express, that Christian community needs to express itself uh, in its own um, language and heart expressions. friend of mine an ethno-musicologist, mm-hmm. ethnic music, and now we're starting to call these people ethno-doxologists, yeah. <laughs> ethnic doxology, um, uh, was uh, called into a community of Maasai people, the tall uh, uh, cattle herders in uh, East, Kenya, Kenya and East, Eastern right. Africa, wearing those red outfits and such. And they had, you know, had a, a, a weak Christian church introduced into them uh, years and years ago, I think, uh, that part of the world, the early uh, 1900s, I think, uh, but I could be wrong on that. Anyway, and they were, you know, trying to teach them Western Christian hymns. Well, uh, my friend is at ethnomusicologist, Dr. Roberta King, who spent 21 years teaching at Fuller Theological Seminary after her 25 or so years in Eastern and Western Africa. Mm. She was called down to help them talk about maybe music that expressed more of the people's hearts. And there was a big argument uh, around that time, but she finally convinced the actually the Maasai leadership who were not in favor of using Maasai-sounding songs and uh, Maasai uh, uh, actually, uh, 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 you know, standing in a line, wearing their red clothing, right. uh, singing their songs, and, and that thing. She finally won that. said, just try it for a little while, uh, because uh, uh, they were trying to these foreign-sounding songs, like if you and I tried to right. sing 
traditional Japanese music. It, right. you know, it doesn't even sound right to us, but it's beautiful to those who understand it and, right. and such. Anyway, uh, uh, what happened after that is literally the church broke out and expanded exponentially. Mm. I mean, that's a very short uh, story. And I had the joy in 2018 to be involved in the global consultation on music and the arts and missions in Nairobi, Kenya. And mm. I had a bunch of those wonderful Maasai people in some of my workshops on discipling artists for uh, uh, mission work and uh, the role of artistic specialists in church planting. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we we come around to say, well, we've got to preach the word. That is correct, but you cannot un- understandably proclaim the scriptures without doing it in culturally relevant ways. Mm-hmm. And you do not have a church that is going to uh, impact the community unless that church is forming itself and expressing itself in culturally familiar ways. Mm-hmm. That's actually, you know, we've talked about contemporary worship over the years yeah. a- a- and and worship wars. Right. It's really culture wars. It's yeah. my way is Yahweh and yours is not. Right, uh, which is not true. God's way is God's way, mm-hmm. and He has different ways for different cultures. I mean, different culture is diversity is God's idea, uh, all the way back to the Tower of Babel. Yes, frankly, yeah. I think He was punished. In a, Babel did not want to um, expand itself, and, and and they got together and they were worshiping. Uh, Spirit beings and the tower was a ziggurat, actually, a, yeah. a, 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 and such. And he said, "I'm not having this anymore." Yeah. Uh, 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 so you know, uh, uh, multiply and and move out. So he just sped it up. Sped it. Uh, so, <laughs> that's right. So that's that's why why we need. And frankly, um, that's going to bring us uh, understanding to our community. It's not that we have to have uniformity. We have unity in our faith in Jesus. Right. And we have diversity in the ways that we express it. So people who say, my way is Yahweh. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> They're wrong. And your way is no uh, way, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably it's a bad way, because God is going to be very creative, as he has been throughout the ages around the world. Mm-hmm. And. I don't know if you've heard this, but the idea that the image of God is all, is one aspect of that is actually our creativity. If That's God right. is a creator, right. then the, if God's first expression is as, as a creator in Scripture, then uh, in a sense we express his image in, when we are creative as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know, somebody, I was just listening to a little lecture a little while ago, and you know how kids uh, at age five, all of them are high on the creative scale. Yeah. By, you know, age 15, they're low on the creative school because they've been pounded into, you know, these dynamics. People, dogs have instinct. Yeah. Mooses have instinct. People have imagination. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really cool to, to figure out how humpback whales get from Alaska to Lahaina, Maui yeah. every year, that, that thousands of miles trek. It's even more phenomenal to actually build a... Uh, a sonar and uh, have a high-tech research boat that follows them, and yet still, when they breach, yeah, write songs, paint pictures, and create poems. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Human profound. beings cannot not be creative. 
Yeah. I've said oftentimes, uh, human beings have never been satisfied to make a pot and carry water in it. They have made the pot, but they've made it beautiful. Yeah. And then they've also put their water. So there's, there, there's, there's aesthetic and utility uh, in, in so many things. Modern art is wrong. Uh, yeah. When it says that if you have any utility to something, it's not art. Yeah, that's bunk. Yeah, uh, it's not true. You can't you can't justify that historically. Right. No. No. Uh, this has been a fa- fascinating discussion. Just as we wrap up our conversation, how can our listeners connect with the work you're doing? Uh, thanks. Uh, uh, at international all spelled out dot org. A C T I N T E R N A T I O N A L dot org. We'd love to interact with anybody. We try to encourage uh, uh, artistic uh, kingdom servants. And, of course, mm. we provide the structure that they have, whether it's a volunteer or part-time or occupationally full-time assignment. God, uh, Jonathan, thanks for this affirming is, these kinds this of This has been great. God has made you and made me and made all my listeners creative <laughs> and unique and beautiful, and he wants to use that for his kingdom. And so this this is I just got so excited about your ministry and your and blessings to your brother. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on my show. And I know our listeners were blessed by by hearing you. God bless you, brother. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.